Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast at UT Belfast. We hope you enjoy as you join with us on Sunday mornings and listen in as we seek to inspire our church and the people of our city to encounter Jesus and just love it with the biggest heart of compassion possible. Hey, good. Oh, we've just turned afternoon. Good afternoon. Hey, welcome to church. So glad that you're here. Um, so glad that you've made it if you're online uh, in church today. If we haven't met before, my name is Ryan. If you have a Bible with you, we're going we're gonna to jump into Mark chapter 14. You're going to read 10 verses there, Mark uh, chapter 14. Mark 14, we're going to read from verse 32. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. There'll be one on the screen as well. Mark 14, 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane. Uh, Jesus and his disciples, P.S., uh, let me just press pause. Uh, did anybody go for brunch this morning? Mm-hmm. Sit outside, having a bit of brunch? No. We were talking about this in the 10 a.m. and I just was intrigued if you guys were the ones who got a wee early Sunday brunch. Anyway, back to the good stuff. I went to a place called Gethsemane. Jesus said to his disciples, sit here whilst I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Go on a little further. He fell to the ground and prayed that if it's possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yeah, not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you'll not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They didn't know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough, the hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. There are um, moments in our lives where we become exhausted. Moments where you become frustrated. Moments where you become discouraged. All we have to do in order to win those battles is stay the course there's moments that try the human soul that are so complex and so vexing, so emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually exhausting and taxing that if the truth were told, not that the truth is often told, but if the truth were told, we would be at times much closer to throwing in the towel than other people would be allowed to believe. We would be much closer to giving up than other people could ever possibly have known or imagined. See, Discouragement can creep in secretly. Perhaps I came in to this room this morning with a new haircut. Hmm. Some people are like, I wish I got a haircut. I'm booked in for like Jalember 23 right now at this rate. Discouragement can come on in the room this morning with a face full of makeup and a lovely smile. Discouragement can walk into the room with those brand new shoes. But don't misinterpret me. Discouragement doesn't mean it's just dressed up. Discouragement can also walk into a room with beat up shoes. It's not that fussy. You can walk into a room with a lockdown haircut that, let's just say you didn't pay anybody to do that. It can walk into a room with, without the makeup. Discouragement isn't, isn't fussy. 
Discouragement creeps in. But it's not ashamed of creeping in. It's just subtle about it. See, discouragement always goes to work with you. And if it doesn't get to work that day, you can be sure that it'll get a lift home. Discouragement will go into a tent. Discouragement will go into a block of flats. Discouragement will go into a housing estate. It's not fussy. Discouragement in the same way will go into a three-bed semi in a brand new development, walk right on in without ringing the I-ring doorbell from Amazon, sit down at the dining table, kick its shoes off and make itself at home. It's not fussy. In the same way that discouragement walks into any of those places totally unashamed, it's bold as can be, discouragement walks in through a mansion and sits on the edge of the hot tub and begs the question in all of those environments, is life really worth living? If you listen at the point of discouragement, it will cause you to make bad decisions. It will cause you to think that your life isn't worth living and secretly behind the smile, good morning, how are you? You'll wonder if you're ever going to get out of what you've got into. Particularly painful is discouragement in the life of somebody who claims to follow Jesus, who lives for God. When you see other people around you who do not live for God and don't follow Jesus, doing well and succeeding, meanwhile you're out here trying to do things right and they're not going when those who don't live for Jesus are succeeding in their business adventure and not paying their taxes. Meanwhile, you're trying to be somebody who follows Jesus with integrity and it's not working for you. Particularly discouraging is it when somebody seems on the surface like everything's going well for them and you know that they haven't prayed merely as much as you or worked merely as hard as you have. Seems like they have moments of victory and in fact their victories aren't uh, hidden but they're actually flaunted in our faces. Not whilst you're having a similar experience of victory, usually it's usually whilst you're in a season of discouragement begging the question, is life really worth living this way? If you're not careful, the very sight of other people's prosperity perpetuates your discouragement and agonizes you until ultimately it begs the question, is life really worth living this way? David says in Psalm 37 verse one, don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong for like grass, they soon fade away, like spring flowers, they soon wither. In other words, don't make permanent decisions based upon temporary circumstances. Don't make your decisions right now that will last for a lifetime based upon the season that you're currently in. Don't allow your moments of discouragement and anger to cause you to make a decision on life prematurely because if you just keep on walking with God, God has a way of working everything out. David goes on in Psalm 37 to tell us that the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall for the Lord holds them by the hand. Steps implies a process. Steps implies a journey. And the very fact that your steps aren't just uh, random, miscalculated or chosen by you, but actually directed or some versions say ordered by the Lord means that they have the very purpose of God attached to them, which means that every step you take, though it may seem random, actually it's quite the opposite. It has the sovereignty of God attached to it. It has the purpose of God attached to it. It has the power of God attached to it in every step that you take. Why? Because the Lord directs the steps of the righteous. The Lord is ordering 
your steps. See, David knew a thing about staying the course. Everybody say, stay the course. Come on, say, stay the course. I know that some of you are cheating. Come on, say, stay the course. Good, good. Perspirating through their masks. Love it, love it. (laughs) See, David knew a thing or two about staying the course because remember, he was the boy who was pulled out of the fields and he was told that he would be king. David, you're destined for the palace. And then where did he go? Back to the fields. Like, really? Why did you have to tell him about the palace whilst I was in the fields and sent me back to the fields? Could, could you not have just told me about the palace just as I was about to step back into the palace? Yet it wasn't his time. He had to stay the course. He was, he was destined for the palace, yet he was stuck in the sheep's stuff. He was stuck cleaning up after sheep. He was stuck taking care of sheep. He was stuck in the burning heat of day, yet he was destined for the palace. Why does that feel so much like life? When you know what you're destined for is something greater than where you are. But David knew a thing or two about staying the course. The Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart grow sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Discouragement. David had to learn how to stay the course. Jesus, in the account that we read of a few moments ago, in that week, that time frame, he came in, he, he rode in. And remember, they, they wanted him to be king. They wanted to crown Jesus. And so he had to get away because Jesus knew that he had to stay the course. See, in order to attain the crown, Jesus had to go through the cross. But people didn't, people didn't want him to go through the cross. They wanted to give him the crown. But Jesus knew in and of himself that he had to stay the course that his, the destiny that awaited him was worthwhile, that it wasn't, it wasn't enough to prematurely make a decision based upon his current circumstances. He had to stay the course. He was committed to stay the course. A few things that we see in these verses this morning is that Jesus shows us that we have to stay in the faith. Stay in the faith. Verses 33 and 34 of Mark 14, he took Peter, James and John along with him. He began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. Jesus, fully aware of his destiny, fully aware of the palace and the purpose that awaited him. Jesus, remember, he was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He was the Messiah. He was the bridge between humanity and the Father. All of this awaited him. And in the middle of the most discouraging season of his life, he said, in his earthly life, he said, my soul is overwhelmed and troubled, troubled with sorrow, even to the point of death. Yet he, and he prayed, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. He was battling in the spirit. He had to stay in the faith. Faith is the confidence in things hoped for, the assurance about what we do not see. In Hebrews chapter 10, the Bible says that we're not to neglect the habit of meeting together as some, everybody say some. Come on, say some. See, some are in the habit of neglecting meeting together. But instead, meet together and all the more as you see the day approaching, the day in which Jesus returns. That actually we today, as a result of not being, of attending, of being part of today, online, in person, 
You are staying in the faith. You're intentionally not being part of the sum. But actually, you're going to say, you know what? As a result, as a result of you sat where you sat, whether it was conscious or subconscious, whether it was intentional or unintentional, you, dis- you made a conscious or subconscious decision today to stay in the faith, to not neglect the habit of meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but meet together all the more as we see the day approaching. Stay in the faith. See, we are, the Bible says in Ephesians 6, verse 12, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly realms. You need to stay the course. Do not be misled. There are mighty, wars, mighty powers at war for your soul. And in seasons where your courage is lacking, where the fuel is running low, where there's no petrol station in sight, where things aren't moving the way in which they once were. That's where the enemy is rubbing their hands together in order to wage war on your soul. Doesn't want you to stay in the faith. Wants you to drop out. Actually even being part of today, choosing to be part of the faith, the body of Jesus followers, you're, you're consciously going against the schemes of the enemy, the schemes in the heavenly places, the schemes in this dark world and against evil spirits by choosing to stay in the faith. Paul said in, in, to the church in Philippi, chapter three, verse 12, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on. Come on, say, I press on. Come on, do you today. I press on. Paul saying, I press on. Remember that as you press on, every step that you take doesn't have your purposes attached to it, but has the very purposes of God attached to it. Why? Because your steps are directed. Your steps are ordered by the Lord. I press on to possess that perfection for which which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not yet achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Again, I press on. Come on today, if you're going to stay the course, you need to press on. You need to consciously say today, I press on. You know, as a result of you being in this room today, as a result of the decision that you've made to step into the body of believers today, Jesus followers today, you have decided that you will press on. Want to know why? Because you certainly aren't where you used to be. You're, you're way more conservative than you should be about your past as well. Praise God that you're not where you used to be, right? But you're certainly not where you're gonna be. I press on. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Let all of us who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe that God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on. I press on. I press on, we must hold on to the progress that we have already made. Come on, you have made some progress, right? You are not the person that you were when you were 17. Thank God for that. You're also not the person that you were when you were 27. Thank God for that. You're certainly not the person that you were when you were 50. Thank God for that. Hold on to the progress that you have already made. Stay in the faith. Stay the course. Stay the course. 
See, the Lord is directing your steps. He's ordering your steps. Jesus' steps were directed and ordered. And part of that process for you and I is that we have some fights along the way. There's some battles that we've fought and many people have battle scars in this room that they've endured in order to remain and to stay in the faith. But in the same way, Jesus, here in this account, was a heavyweight card. It was death versus life. It was the grave versus eternity. It was hell versus heaven. And Jesus won the fight. He has the victory. You receive the victory in him. But we still have some fights along the way. We have to fight the good fight of faith. The second thing I want to show you in these verses is that we must stay in the fight. We must stay in the fight. Verses 37 and 38 of Mark 14, he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Don't sleep your way through the fight. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you'll not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Can I give you a piece of advice today? Please, just don't go shopping on an empty stomach. (laughs) People are like, starting to write that down, they're like, I'm not going to write that down. I think I know that. Because you have no chance. I often fall into this trap where I go go shopping, go fighting. (laughs) I go fighting in Tesco. Well, at one point it was like that, right? Let's all just take a minute. Thank God we're not there anymore. Fighting in Primark now. Hello, somebody. (laughs) When you go shopping on an empty stomach, you're like, I'll take that. I'll take that, I'll take that. I know I'm trying to be good. I know I should choose grapes, but I'm going to choose the whole box of dairy milk. Thank you very much. Why? Because the flesh is weak. Your spirit might be willing, but your flesh is weak. Nah. See, what you feed lives, and what you starve dies. We must stay in the fight. When you've been feeding your spirit, if when you haven't been feeding your spirit, you might be covering it right now, covering it with how you look, covering it with some Christianese, covering it with a hand in worship, covering it with praise God. But it won't last very long. Why? Because it's spirit v. flesh. It's a spiritual battle. We're all in a fight. Oh, I don't really feel like I'm fighting. No, you're in a fight. If you don't feel like you're fighting, you're losing. We're in a fight. 2 Timothy 4, 7 to 8, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but also to all who've longed for his appearing. I want you to grasp that. I have fought the good fight of faith. What a joy to be able to say that. What a joy to be able to proclaim that, to say that with confidence, that you have fought the good fight of faith, that you have finished the race that you have kept, the faith. I have fought the good fight of faith. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. What does a crown of popularity have in comparison to a crown of righteousness? What does a crown of acceptance have in comparison to a crown of righteousness? What does a crown of your bank account have in comparison with a crown of righteousness? What does a comparison of be, having all of these people around you and being you know, the best person in the world and every, accepted by everybody but not having the crown of righteousness. What is that in comparison? There is in store for me a crown of righteousness if we stay in the fight. 
pain of some of these wrestles, the sting of an open wound, but nothing in comparison to the defeat of a fight. See, often you and I think that God's working on the destination. That's why it's not yet. When in reality, he's working on us. What? 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Everybody say prepared. God's already prepared it for you. He's already prepared it for you. See, God isn't preparing the blessing for you. He's preparing you for the blessing. He's got some work to do on you in order that you'll be ready for it. He had some work to do on David in order that David would be ready for the palace. So he spent some time in the fields. God has some work to do still. With every purpose, with every step that you take, it has the very purposes of God connected to it. Staying the course means staying in the fight. The final thing I want to show you from these verses, verse 39 of Mark 14, we must stay in the race. Once more he went away, prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They didn't know what to say to him. They were sleeping. They were exhausted. They were tired. They couldn't keep their eyes open. When it comes to running, the one thing I know about running is that running is about endurance. I actually think it's about speed. Well, can you run that fast for a long enough period of time? Running's about endurance, about stamina, about grit, about resolve, about the ability to keep on going even though everything is telling you to stop. When every, when every light is up on the dashboard that you can keep on going, staying in the race, the disciples could sleep because they were unaware of what Jesus was about to endure. Jesus spoken of in Hebrews 12, verse two, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy set before Jesus? You. Jesus endured the cross in order that he could attain you and that you could attain him, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He endured in order that he could enjoy you and that you could enjoy him. He was committed to stay in the race. And I implore you today, stay in the race. Even if you've got a stitch, stay in the race. Even if you're struggling, I don't think I can do it any longer, stay in the race. Even if it, it, the, the end doesn't seem like it's in sight, stay in the race. Even if I'm not going to make it, stay in the race. Even if I am completely and utterly exhausted, stay in the race. Stay in the race. The prize is worth it. Jesus is worth it. Many a people have ran and many a people have not finished. Many a people have tried to do the marathon before and not finished it. This is an all, a different kind of marathon altogether. We're not running for an earthly prize. We're running for an eternal prize. So that means all the more we are to stay in the race. I, I don't think I can move anymore. Just keep
keep moving forward. Even if your pace isn't the same way, it's not about your pace, it's about your endurance. Even if you can't really, I don't know if I'm gonna get this one foot in front of the other. Well, every step has a purpose, so that one matters. Just get it in front, stay in the race, stay the course, keep going, don't give up. Don't back down. Don't give in too early. Stay in the race. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run, get this, get this correlation with Psalm 37. I run with purpose in every step. Come on, I don't know if I'm going to get this next step out. I just want to stop right now. This next step has purpose. I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So I run with purpose in every step. Stay in the race. Your steps are ordered, directed by the Lord, yet you're not there yet. You haven't arrived yet. The destination isn't at hand. Are we there yet? Nope. Are we there yet? Nope. We're not there yet, but we are getting there. Stay the course. If you're 20, don't get tired too soon. If you're 30, don't get tired too soon. If you're 40, please don't, don't be exhausted. If you're 50, please don't be exhausted. Stay in the race. If you're 60, don't get tired. Don't get exhausted. Keep going. Don't give in because of discouragement. If you're 70, I commend you. You have ran, but please keep going. The prize is worth it. If you are 80, wow, you are so much tireder than other people, but keep on going. We go from glory into glory. Stay the course. If you are pushing 90 years old, what we honor you, but keep on on going, finish the race well. Don't give in, just shy of the prize. Keep on going, stay in the race, stay the course. For every testimony, there was a test. And you can be guaranteed that the purposes of God are being outworked all along the way. Through every low point, through every moment of being overwhelmed, through every season of discouragement, through every bout in the fight, and through every lap in the race, stay the course because God has a purpose for your life. The race is about endurance. Jesus endured the cross so that we can embrace God through the cross. Stay the course. He is the prize. He is worth it. Don't give in too soon. Even when people on your left and on your right are slowing down, keep our eyes on Jesus. He endured the cross. He is the ultimate example. They might have been a great example at one point, but he is the ultimate example. They might have been a great encouragement at one point, but he is the ultimate example. He is the example of endurance. He stayed the course and thank God he did. Thank God he endured. Thank God he won the victory in order that you and I can live in it. I know that not every season of life feels like victory. Feelings are great indicators, but terrible captains. He is the anchor for our soul. These guys want to help us respond in worship. The Bible says that the Son of Man was delivered into the hands of sinners. You know, Jesus was delivered into the hands of sinners so that your life, your steps, your purpose, your future, yes, your future, regardless of your age, 
regardless of your stage, your future, your destiny, could be in the hands of God. Stay the course. Stay in the faith. Stay in the fight. Stay in the race. Why don't we stand together? Jesus is worth it. He really is. Jesus is worth it. Many of us have lived in that reality for much longer than I have. I honor you for that. But don't give up too soon. Don't give in too soon. Well, what do you know about life? A little bit, not loads. Not, not as much as you. I, I accept that, some of us. But what I know about Jesus is that he's worth it. He really is. So Lord, in these moments, might you be magnified in every heart. And be able to strip away anything that's peripheral in order to fix our eyes on you, Jesus. Everyone, thanks for listening in on our Sunday podcasts. Check us out on our Facebook, Instagram at UT Belfast.